welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Fantastic. Well, I will continue part two today of a message that I uh, entitled Waiting Well. Everyone say Waiting Well. Fantastic. That's really nice. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to preach on this is because waiting is an inevitable part of life. The thing is that some of us will wait well, but most of us, I think, will wait very, very poorly. I know I do, but I know all of us are waiting for something. I know many of us are waiting for that, for that person, for that promise, for that breakthrough, for that blessing in our lives. All of us are waiting for something. But I know that if you're like me, you want it, you want it now. Is that right? I know I do. I I hate waiting. In fact, I would rather sit through dental root canal than have to wait. I would even rather sit through one of Graham Hazel's country and western songs than having to wait. I hate waiting. And man, this week has been shocking. I know sometimes as preachers, and Matt, you will know this, and other people who have preached here before know that often we get tested on what we're preaching on. And uh, this week has been ridiculous. I have been tested on waiting. God has said, put what you practice, uh, put what you preach into practice so many times. I've been at restaurants and people have forgotten my meal. My mobile has gone flat and I suffered the indignity of having to walk and wait to a phone booth. That's just ridiculous. And... I tell you what, this dear old lady, uh, she would have been 150 years old. She nearly met Jesus this week. I was in a hurry. And uh, I was running to the ATM. I was in a real rush. And uh, I could see this little old lady going to the ATM as well. But I thought, if I pretend that I don't see her, then I've got an excuse to get in front of her. Right, so I'm rushing toward her, and she's just walking like this. And I thought, no, I'm going to beat her. And then at the last second, our eyes connected. And then I had no excuse. I thought, oh, no. So, up to you. Go through. And you know what happens when a dear little old lady gets in front of you in the ATM? You're there forever. I'll tell you what. She stands in front of it, gets a little purse out, opens the purse, gets out a bit of paper. Meantime, I am spewing. I'm living. I'm, I'm in a rush. I've got no time to wait. My sermon is going through my head and I'm ignoring it. Guess what I do a bit of paper? Reed said, guess what she's reading? Her numbers. And she's there. Beep. 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 Sit away. Stands there. I reckon five minutes went by. It felt like it. And then... Enter. That's right. You've got to press enter. And I'm sitting there. And I'm going, where's that bow and arrow I had last week? I, I, I was tested over and over this week on waiting because waiting doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally for most of it. It doesn't come naturally to me. I lose patience very, very quickly. But one of the points that I made last week is that it's not only our nature, but it's also technology. One of the examples that I gave last week was that we live in an age where people freak out. Uh, because of technology teaching us to expect quick and instant results. Who knows what I mean? The example that I gave was Google last week. I mean, how many people fret and freak out because their internet is too slow? 
You know, and I tell you, I just want to give you a reminder, people who freak out over the internet, you know, just relax. As I said, I come from, a, from an era, from the 80s, where to get any information meant a whole day out. It meant having to get into my car, drive to the library, go through the Encyclopedia Britannica. That's like wiki, but with pages. <laughs> Took forever. You know, and then I had to go all the way home. It was a whole day out. These days, people freak out if they don't get 50 squizillion hits in one nanosecond in Google. You know, just, just, just relax. Just, I know technology in modern society encourages to expect uh, fast results, but just, just, just relax. How's that new Macazette? That, that new Macazette about how we twitch like you're in a hurry. I mean, come on. They're conditioning us to, to, to always be in a hurry, to, to not want to wait well. So I think we are up against a lot of things in our lives, our nature, technology. And I thought, well, I think we need a little bit of a teaching on how to wait well, and particularly how to wait well in God. So we looked at two verses last week. We looked at James 4, 1, 2. And just for recapping, I'm going to read it to you. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires of battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, one of the things that we drew from the scripture is that we need to learn. We started very, very basically. We need to learn how to wait peacefully. Peacefully. Here, James is making an incredible point. He's saying that most of our conflicts, most of our arguments are to do with unfulfilled desires. And if we check our hearts I think we'll see that this is true. Most of the arguments that we have with God, most of those things that we, you know, we fret about and we, and we condemn God about and we, and we say, God, what's going on? If, we, if we're honest, it's because if we have unfulfilled desires, those things that we're longing for. So check your desires. Rather than blaming people and your situations, check what that is that you're waiting for that hasn't come to pass yet. And that's the reason. Maybe people aren't as bad as you think they are. Maybe your situation is not as bad as you think it is. Maybe it's simply because you have unfulfilled desires in your heart that you're longing for. Maybe your boss isn't that bad. Maybe your job isn't that bad. Maybe it's because you desire something else or someone else's job. Maybe your parents aren't that bad. Maybe your teachers aren't that bad. Just think about those unfulfilled desires that you have in your life. And that's the reason James is proposing that we have so many conflicts in our lives. So that's one of the things that we looked at. We'll very quickly recap. So we looked at waiting peacefully. We looked at waiting patiently as well. James 4.2 goes on to say, You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. Now that's what happens when we don't wait patiently. We kill and covet. We might not kill literally. But if we hold anger in our hearts, if we hold bitterness, Jesus said that's like killing somebody. If we covet what other people have, it's the same thing as well. So if you're killing and coveting, if you're desiring what she has, what he has, what they have, while you're waiting for your breakthrough, you're not waiting well. You're not waiting patiently. We need to learn how to wait patiently, God, because God has a season. God God has predetermined seasons in our lives. And so there's there's nothing that we can do about it. So we need to learn how to wait. Even if you feel that God has called you to do something, even if you've heard from God, even if you are sure that God says, yes, this is for you, my son, or yes, this is for you, my daughter, the Bible tells us that God equips those that he calls. So you may be called, but guess what's going to happen afterwards? You're going to be equipped. We don't know how long that's going to take. Some equipping might take a day, 
Some equipment might take decades. And I've been called to do things, and I've been pretty well ready. And I know God has put things in my heart, dreams in my life that I want to achieve. And some of those dreams have been in my heart for years, for decades. And I'm still being equipped. So just, if you feel called, be patient. Because God has a time. And normally, you're going to have time getting equipped anyway. God doesn't call people who are ready. God calls people who are willing. And then there's a time, there's a waiting period. So let's learn to wait well by being patient. The last point that we looked at is we have to wait purposefully. James says in 4.2, he goes on to say, you do not have because you do not ask God. Some of us don't even ask God. We haven't purposefully or intentionally got before God and said, God, your will be done. God, this is what I want, but is this what you want? Have we actually honestly sat before the living God? Think about that thing that you're waiting for or those things that you're waiting for. Are you sure that that is God's will for your life? Has God said yes? Otherwise, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. And if he says yes, have you thought about it? Have you actually thought it through? Have you, have you simply said to God, God, I want a better life? Or have you actually thought about what that better life looks like? And laid your petitions and requests before God. Say, God, this is where I need you to come through in my life. So let's wait purposefully. Let's actually ask God, invite his will to be done in our lives, but also actually get before him and be intentional in our asking and intentional in what we're waiting for. So there are the three things that we quickly looked at. We're going to go on today and uh, look at James 4.3. So we're going to the third verse of that incredible chapter. And it begins by saying this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Here, James is telling us that you better check your motives when you're waiting for something. That thing that you're crying out for, that thing that you're waiting for, check your heart. Search your heart and ask yourself, why is it that you want what you want? Why is it that you're actually waiting for that thing? Don't kid yourself. Why is it that you actually really, really want thing? It doesn't matter how much we actually kid ourselves. God knows our heart. And we need to have the right motives, James is saying. We need to know why it is that we're waiting for that one thing. Jesus is very concerned with our motives. When we read the New Testament, we hear of situations where he always wanted to discern the question behind the question, the heart behind the heart. Why is it that people are asking these things? Why is it that people are seeking these things? In, um, in uh, uh, Matthew 20, 29, there's this incredible, one of the biggest understatements in the, in, in the, in the Bible. Two blind beggars were sitting there, and uh, the situation is that all these people were being healed and delivered, and uh, these two blind beggars were there, and they thought, oh, I want a bit of this as well. So they you know, walked up to Jesus. I guess what Jesus, Jesus being fully God, Jesus being all-knowing, turns to them and says, what is it that you want me to do for you? That's a really strange question. Why would God, I mean, even, I tell you, I, I, we, probably would have seemed insensitive. That, you know, you know, Jesus sees these blind people, you know, what do you want me to do for you? What do you think they would have said? They would have, they would have thought, oh, gee, you know, well, uh, a new tunic would be nice. <laughs> a bigger camel, perhaps. 
I don't, but no, how about my sight? How about we want to see better? Now, Jesus asked those questions because he wanted to know whether these guys really wanted to be healed or not. He wanted to know their motives. He wanted to know, okay, if I heal you, why is it that you want to be healed? And I know that at that moment, they searched their hearts. I know that at that moment, they thought about why, why it is that they wanted what they were seeking. And they checked their hearts. And I said, we want to see. Then they went off and gave glory to God. Our motives are crucial in our waiting. Check our motives. And our motives will be displayed in what we do with what we get. Like I said, we, we can kid ourselves and say, God, it's for you. God, it's for your glory. God, but the thing is, God knows. And it doesn't matter how much we are maybe a little bit self-deluded or how much we say it's for noble purposes, God knows better. God knows the reason. And maybe the reason why you are waiting and waiting so long for your breakthrough is perhaps you haven't checked your motives and your motives aren't right. As this verse challenges us, are we going to glorify God with what we get or are we going to use it and spend it in our pleasures? It's a really, really important question that God asks us in our waiting. Who we will spend this blessing on, him or on our pleasures? When you get that partner that you're seeking, that you're crying out for, because you're so lonely and you want someone to do life with, who will you spend that with? Do you want that partner so you can glorify God together for the rest of your lives? Or do you want that partner so that you can spend it on your pleasures? on your company, on your sexual desires, on whatever it is that you want. Who will you spend that blessing for, God or you? When you want that promotion, you want more power, you want more money, fantastic. Some of those pursuits are noble if they have the right motives. Why do you want it? Will you glorify God with that power, that influence, that money? Will you glorify God or will you gratify your pleasures? What are your motives? Some of the saddest people in the world, I believe, are disobedient Christians. Some of the saddest people in the world, the most repressed and depressed, are not atheists. I know many very happy atheists. Some of the most depressed and repressed people that I know are Christians who are not doing with their blessing what they know they should be doing because of the conviction of the living God, because God loves you. God won't leave you where you're at. God wants more of you and from you. If we're waiting for the living God to deliver for us, let's check our motives and our hearts. A lot of, a lot of people know this uh, gentleman. His name is Peter J. Daniel. I know a little bit about his testimony. He's been at our church and preached a few times. And he's got an incredible testimony about motives. If you're familiar with him, you, you may know this. I won't share the whole thing, but... This is how he shares his testimony. He once got before God and said, God, I want to be the man who gives the most amount of money away. That was his dream. That was his desire. That was a while ago. It's been overtaken by the Bill Gates of the world. That was a while ago. But you think about it too. Be able to give a lot of money away. You've got to have a lot of money. So in essence, he was asking to become rich. Now how is that? He's saying, God, give me a lot of money because I want to give a lot of money away. And this man was blessed. God came through and he became extremely wealthy. And for a while there, he was known as a man who gave away a lot of money. Why? Why did God honor that? Because God knew his heart. God knew his motives. God knew his motives were pure. And when he said that I want money so I can give it away, God delivered because he knew that the motives were right. 
If I say, God, make me rich so I can make others rich, then God would laugh at me. <laughs> God knows my heart better. I possibly, possibly wouldn't have been as faithful as, uh, as this gentleman. So if we're waiting for that particular something, let's wait well and let's check our motives, check the reasons behind we are seeking that which we are seeking. Amen? James, in chapter 4, goes on to tell us something else. Uh, chapter 4, verse 6 says, But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In our waiting, let's not neglect our humility. In our waiting, you want to wait, and you want to wait well in God because he deserves it. Let's remain humble. Let's remain humble in our waiting. Let's not for one second think more of ourselves than we ought to. Let's not for one moment begin to kid ourselves that we actually deserve what we're asking. Because we don't. Doesn't matter how good it is. Doesn't matter how noble it is. Don't for one second begin to even contemplate the fact that you deserve that blessing. That you deserve that person. That you deserve that healing. That you deserve that breakthrough. Because we don't. We are sinners before God. We have sinned against God. We have sinned against man. We have sinned against each other. And we deserve nothing but hell and destruction. That is our position. That is where we are right now. So let's not kid ourselves that we actually deserve that which we're asking. Whatever we receive, whatever we get is because of the grace of the living God, because of His love and power, because He's our Heavenly Father and He unconditionally lavishes ours gifts, blessings, protection, provision in our lives because not of who we are, but because of who He is and all loving, all powerful God. So let's remain humble in our waiting. Let's not think, well, God, I've been walking with you for so long now. I've done all these things. I've suffered this much. I've achieved this much. Let's, let's forget that. Let's, forget. Let's, let's not forget that any righteousness that we might have are like filthy rags before the living God. Let's remain humble. Let's remain humble and say, God, I deserve nothing. Yet, Lord, your, your word says that because of your love toward me, I can have this. Lord, on those bases. Lord, I come before you and I ask that you would help me in this situation. That, as we sang before, you come in this situation. But out of a humble heart, I teach my children, you don't tell, you ask. And you better ask respectfully. And you better ask with reverence. And you better not demand things from me. You ask. And I believe that's what God requires of us as well. That as humble children, Knowing what we truly deserve, knowing what we truly are. If we can get to that point, I think that's a sign of maturity. When we get to that point where you go, God, I deserve nothing. I deserve nothing. Yet, Lord, because of your promises and your goodness, I dare stand before you and seek this thing and wait for this thing because of your goodness, because of who you are, not because of who I am or what I have done. Let's remain humble in our waiting. Don't ask God for that which you believe you deserve. Because he might just give it to you. <laughs> what we truly deserve is not that pleasant. If we could earn his favor, Christianity, we'd be destroyed. We, des- we serve a God that loves us unconditionally because of who he is. 
not because of any of our own righteousness, not because of anything that's good that we've done or anything that's bad that we've done, but because of God loving us. In the New Testament, there's an example of uh, one of my favorite stories, the faith of the centurion. Some of you know that story. This, uh, this man of authority wants healing for one of his servants. Yet he doesn't feel worthy to not only ask, let alone demand from Jesus. He feels so unworthy that he sends uh, envoys, he sends messengers, he sends other soldiers to, to seek Jesus out and ask for that healing. He sends the message, look, I'm not even worthy of you walking into my house. I'm not even worthy of you coming to me. But I know that if you are willing, I know that my servant will be healed. How's that for humility? A man of power, a man of authority is humble enough to know that he doesn't deserve this, that he can't demand it from God. But he knows that, man, I've got to be humble enough to God to be able to break through into this situation. A really good question to ask ourselves is that, how humbly are we waiting? As James reminds us and encourages us, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, gives saving grace, gives healing grace, gives deliverance grace. You want that grace? You're waiting for that grace for whatever breakthrough it is that you're waiting for? Remain humble and don't for one second begin to even think that you deserve anything from God apart from death and destruction. That's the harsh reality. But the wonderful news is that he lovingly and unconditionally doesn't give us what we deserve, but gives us all these things instead. That's the God that we serve. And our humility is going to be demonstrated in what we do with what we actually have now. Say, no matter what we're waiting for, that thing, that big breakthrough that you're waiting for, okay, that's fine, but what are you actually doing with what's in your hands now? Faithful with a little, faithful with a lot. Are you actually being grateful? Are you actually doing the best, doing the most that you can with what you have now? Why are you sitting there with arms folded going, no, until my blessing comes, I will not step out. I will not worship God like I should. I will not give to God and others like I know the Bible says. I will not perform like I know God wants me to perform. I will not do these things until my blessing comes. If you're doing that, you're not waiting very humbly. How humble are we waiting? I, um, I teach a lot of young guns in, in Bible classes and... Uh, I've often heard so many young people say to me, yes, one day God's going to use me mightily. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a, an evangelist and I'm going to save the multitudes. I think that's great. That's a, that's a great dream to have. That's, that's awesome. And if it comes to pass, God bless you. But I love to ask them, knowing that, what are you doing about it now? How many people are you sharing the love of God with now? How much are you studying and preparing for right now? How much are you actually spending time in God, seeking Him, seeking His face? I tell you, you want to share the Word of God, there's two prerequisites. You've got to know the Word of God, and you've got to seek His anointing. How much of that are you doing now? Or are you waiting until somehow one day God picks you up off your comfy reclining chair, and He's going to drop you up on a stage in front of the multitudes, and then you're going to preach the Word of God, because then you'll be worthy to do it. No. Be humble and be grateful, and use whatever is in your hands right now. 
No matter what you're waiting for, you, you want more friendships. Be, even if you don't like the people around you right now, love on them. Be faithful and grateful for what you have right now. What will you do? You're seeking that, that confirmation from God, that, 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 that answer to prophecy. Well, okay, fine. But what are you doing with it right now? That's, it's, it's, it's terribly important. I am um, just having Matt here. Just, um, it's great having him. We uh, did a little venture a while ago called a Spanish-speaking service. We thought, oh, we'll bless the Spanish-speaking community and we'll start a service, you know. So we, we gave it a go. And uh, I'll tell you what, for six months, I preached in front of him, my wife, and some other bloke. And that was it. But I'll tell you what, I didn't wait until I could stand here before you guys to try to develop any speaking ability at all. I put in, and you can ask my wife about this, I put in as much time, prayer, and effort, and research into what I'm going to share if I'm preaching in front of you guys as much as when I used to preach in front of two people. Now, I'm not saying that to gloat. I'm saying because that's an example of doing the best that you can with what you have now. I felt called to preaching. I enjoy preaching. I think it's fun. However, I'm not going to wait until the multitudes are before me. God, if you've given me Matt, you've given me my wife, and you've given me some other dude, that is, that's enough. That's enough. I'm going to re- I'm going to get before you your word. I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to preach my heart out, and I'm going to let them have it. I'm not going to wait. And then we have fun. Eventually, people began to rock up and then leave. <laughs> but it was fun. It was good. You know, we didn't wait. So how humbly are we actually waiting? I think it's, um, it's, 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 it's a very important feature of our waiting. I think, I don't know, the, the prosperity gospel from the, from the past you know, about richness and, and wealth and all that. that. That's all great. But I think a lot of it is transferred into spiritual and emotional prosperity. I think often, you know, we're, we've been told that we've got to wait for greatness and, this, and this, your big day's coming. And I think, well, hang on. No, my f- God is a God of the present. God is a God of the now. God is concerned with what you've got now and what you're doing now. Don't wait for your finest hour. Make this your finest hour, and then you'll be faithful with what you have right now. Don't worry about this incredible moment that's coming. No, it may never come. And it may not be as good as you thought it was when, when you were waiting for it. Just God is a God of the now. Make this your finest hour, and then you'll remain humble in your waiting. Don't worry about these big promises. Just enjoy the moment now and say, God, thank you for what I have right now. And I will you put it to use for your glory and the extension of your kingdom. Remain humble in what God has given you and in what you're waiting for in God. James then goes on to say this. He says that we better check our focus in our waiting. You're going to wait well. Check your motives. Check your humility. But also check your focus. He says this. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. See, I'm not the only one that calls you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. A double-minded person is someone who focuses on this thing, on that thing, and you know, get, gets tossed back and forth, and the situation and emotions makes him feel up and then down or whatever. Remain focused. And this is what I mean by remaining focused. When you've brought your petitions before God, 
when you know that it's within his will. That's what we talked about last week. When you know that God has said, yes, I will grant you this. It's been confirmed to you, whatever. Once you've brought your petitions lovingly and faithfully before the living God and placed them on his altar, what should you then do? What should you focus on? God. You then focus on God. You go back to focusing on Him, worshipping Him, loving Him, seeking Him, seeking Him, enjoying being with Him. You then focus on God. But what happens once we know what we want and we bring it before Him? We focus on those desires. We focus on what we want. We focus on that thing that's lacking. I think it would be a frightening statistic if we could actually measure how much time we spend focusing on God or focusing on that which we believe we are lacking? How much do we actually focus on those unfulfilled desires compared to how much we just focus on Him and being in His presence and loving Him and seeking Him and being faithful enough to know, I've heard from you, God. I know that's what you want from me. Here's my requests. I know I want this. I know I need this. I know I'm desperate for it. However, I've placed it before you. Now I'm just going to go back to doing what I know I've been called to do, which is to seek you and love you and return to you the honor and the grace and the worship that you are so worthy of. What are we focusing on in our waiting? Are we focusing on our God? Or are we focusing on all the things that we're, that we're waiting? As noble and as right as they may be, what are we focusing on? We're about to watch a scenario of a young lady who I think most of us can identify with. We're about to watch a scenario of a young lady who perhaps her focus is not what it should be. Perhaps she may be focusing on the wrong thing. And uh, I think there will be a lot of parallels that we can draw between some of our situations and definitely some of the things that James is highlighting in this incredible text. So I'm going to ask you to just to, uh, just to give your attention to the stage for a moment as we watch exactly what's happening in this young girl's life. Thank you. Hey, uh, Ben and Kirsty, why, uh, why don't you come out here? Hi, Jesus. I've got you guys a gift. No way. No way. Why? Well, you know I love you guys. We love you too. And I just thought I wanted to give you something. Oh, that's so nice. So, right, Ben, you come around this side. And, uh, Kirsty, I'd like you to open yours first. <gasps> and a pink bag and all. I'm so excited. <gasps> awesome! 300 mils of coke! That's perfect for me! I, look, I, I looked everywhere and I'm really glad you liked it because I, I, I thought that would just fit you perfectly. I'd love it! Oh, it's great. Ben, your shot. No way. Seriously? 330 mils of coke? Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's so good. You, you are so welcome. I'm really proud you like it as well. Kirsty, I'm going to go show people. Yes, they're amazing. Kirsty, is something wrong? Well, no. Well, yeah, kind of. Every time you give everyone else a gift, you always give them more than you give me. What do you mean? Well, 
I open my gift and cute, 300 mils. And then Ben opens his and he gets 330 mils. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, that gift was for Ben. That, that's what I wanted him to see. But that's what I want. Go and get that for me. You want what? Yeah, that's more. That would be fair if you gave me the same thing. I want that. Okay, if, if that's what you want. Yeah, it is. Go and get it for me. Okay. Hey, Kirsty, 1.25 litres of God's sweet goodness. Jesus gave it to me. He oh, did. He did. It's you fabulous. Know, you're going to meet someone with a bigger bottle and you're going to get so mad. But, but Jesus, Jesus gave it to me. Isn't that what matters? Whatever. Oh, I've got to go. <laughs> okay, Kirsty, close your eyes for effect. Here it is. Suddenly... 330 mils. I want what Vicky's got. What Vicky's got. But you wanted what Ben had. But Vicky's got 1.25 litres. That's more. I want that now. But that's what I want Vicky to see. But I want that. I'm I'm going to get more. Yeah, go and get it, please. (laughs) Kirsty, check it out. I got an upgrade. Coke 2.0. Yay. Isn't that just great? Yeah. Check it out. And you've still got your 100 mils of coke. Uh, no, 200 mils, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. But compared to this, that's like communion-sized coke. Boom. And it's gone. Anyways, see you later. <sighs> okay. Got what you wanted. What's wrong with you? Why are you holding back your best from me? But I gave you my best. Don't you see what's happening here? You're letting everybody else's gifts steal your joy. No, Jesus. You're stealing my joy by giving everyone else more than you give me. Kirsty, I picked that gift out just for you. It's what I wanted you to see. Yeah, well, I don't care. Until you can see past this, all you're going to see is a can of Coke. I reckon that performance deserves a slightly bigger round of applause. Come on. I said slightly bigger. You took me literally. Okay, fair enough. I mean, a lot bigger than that. Anyway. I think this uh, young lady has just been guilty of everything that we've been talking about. I think being guilty of a lot of what we do. I know... How do I know all this stuff? Not only because James tells me, but because I've done it. I've been guilty of it. I'm probably guilty of it now. I've been guilty of it this week. We sleep in and out. It, it happens. This girl wasn't waiting with the right focus. What was she focusing on? She was focusing on everything else except what she should be focusing on. Jesus Christ, the living God himself. Focusing, coveting, and killing with her desires for other people's gifts, comparing what other people were getting from Jesus, that's not waiting well. Holding resentment in her heart towards Jesus himself, towards God himself, and that's what we do with those unfulfilled desires. We quarrel and we fight with God and we quarrel and we fight with other people, just like this young lady did. Why did she want those things? 
Why does she want the gift that other people have? What were her motivations? I don't think those motivations were very pure. I don't think they were there to seek and to glorify God himself. I think she just wanted something bigger because other people had something bigger. Not because of what, because she was, you know, okay, this is enough for you, Lord. No, she wanted something that other people had. That's the only reason why she wanted it. And ultimately, and I think the biggest uh, tragedy, she was focusing on the blessing. She was focusing on the gift. As that incredible line at the very end sums it all up so well. It's because of what you were looking at. You won't see past this. And until you see past this, and guys, I believe this is the prophetic word that God has for you today. Until you see past what you're waiting for, until you see past those desires, until you see past all that you're expecting from God and not see Him and not realize that He is our reward. We're going to be waiting in vain and we're not going to be waiting well. My all-time favorite scripture is this, Genesis 15, when God tells me that He is my shield and He is my exceedingly great reward. I tell you, irrespective of how much we want what we're waiting for, in order to wait well, we need to remember that as noble as those things may be, We need to see Jesus. We need to see him and make it about him. Not making it about our desires, but making it about the living God. In your your waiting, who are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? Want to wait well? Focus on God. And focus less on those unfulfilled desires. Psalm 37.4 reminds us of something pretty amazing, I think. Some of you may know it. It just says this, very simple little verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Again, just like the other scripture that we looked at before, we want the desires of our heart. But there's something that we've got to do beforehand. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord. That's a strong word. That's not asking you to spend a bit of time with God. That's not asking you to, yeah, enjoy a bit of worship with Him. Enjoy a bit of fellowship and companionship with Him. Saying to delight yourself in the Lord because He is good. Delight yourself in Him because it's about Him. Delight yourself in the Lord because He's amazing. Delight yourself in Him because of all that He's done. Because He's an incredible creator. Because he gave you life. Because he gave you hope. Because he gave you gifts. Because he gave you a promise. Delight yourself in him. And when we delight ourselves in him, there's that incredible promise. that Then he'll give us the desires of our hearts. So what are we focusing on? We're focusing on those unfulfilled desires or are we focusing on the living God? Are we delighting ourselves in him? That's a great question that I like to ask myself. Myself? So few of us up here. Myself. I like to ask myself. All of me. Every one of me. What, where is my joy in? What am I delighting in? Am I delighting on 
the things that he's given me? Am I delighting on the blessing? Am I delighting on all those things? Or am I actually delighting on the living God? It's a great question. How much do you delight in him? I think possibly the breakthrough and the blessing that we're waiting for could be on the other side of how much we are delighting in the living God. God is a God of promises. He has incredible promises for all of us. But there's a process. There's a method. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a mode of righteousness that he wants us to follow. How much are we focusing on him? This very short two-part series is just a reminder for all of us of how the Word of God encourages us to wait. Yes, we're going to have to wait for all sorts of things. But we will either wait well or we will wait really poorly. It's up to us to either implement the Word of God in our lives or just to ignore it. But just remember, I think I said this last week, how well you wait will often determine how long you wait. So just weigh it up. Think about it. Are the musos up? Can I get the musos to come up, please? Sorry, I heard, I heard music. I don't know how many of you were here. <clears throat> I was thinking about uh, a story that a lot of us know of in the, in the Bible. We all know about the, the, the Israelites, the people of God who wandered the desert for so many years, waiting, waiting for their breakthrough waiting for their promised land, waiting for their promises. Now, those were people who, if anyone should be waiting expectantly, it would have been those people. But I thought about it, I thought, gee, isn't that amazing? Why was it that after so many incredible miracles at the time, the plagues, the locusts, all these amazing, the parting of the seas, after all these incredible demonstrations of God's power, After all that, God moved heaven and earth literally for those people. Why was it then that God didn't just pick them up and place them on the promised land? Why didn't He do that? I'm a pragmatist. I ask questions like that all the time. God, why didn't you just do that? It would have been so much easier. You showed how powerful you are. You showed how incredible you are. You showed how mighty you are. Why didn't you just do that as well? Just pick them up and put them there. He didn't do that because he wasn't receiving that which he wants the most. And that's our hearts. Our worship. Our acknowledgement of him. Our love for him. Those people waited and waited and blew it time after time after time. God is all I want is your worship. I don't want you to see your Coke bottle. I don't want you to see that promised land. I want you to see me. See me behind these miracles. Fall in love with me. Love me like I love you. That's what I want you to focus on. And that's possibly why God didn't just pick him up and throw him there. Because he wants their hearts. Just like he wants our hearts right now. Can I ask you to stand? I'm just going to pray for all of us into this situation that God would help all of us
Heavenly Father, we firstly thank You for who You are. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the challenge that it brings us. We thank You, Lord, for all that it highlights and all that it can do to us. But Lord, we recognize that it can only do what we allow it to do. You want to. You want to pour out your blessing. You want to pour out the breakthrough. You want to pour out the promises that we are waiting for. But so much of it, Lord, we've been called to co-labor with you. And so much of it is up to us. So Father, here we are with open hearts. And we ask that you would help us to wait well in you. Holy Spirit, those areas in our lives that you are addressing right now, or you have addressed over the last couple of weeks, we ask for your enabling power to be able to do them. On our own, we cannot do it. We need you, O God. So we ask you, Spirit of the living God, for your power, for your anointing, for your strength, for your wisdom, for your courage, for all that we need, that we may wait with good motives, that we may wait humbly, that we may wait focused on the living God. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray, to wait well in all and for all that God has for us. Just as your eyes are closed, I've talked about waiting well. There's someone who waits extremely well, and that's God. He's a graceful, loving God. Now, some of you may not know Him, who are here this morning. Some of you may have known Him and have walked away from Him. And I just want to tell you, if that's you, if you fall into either one of those two categories, God is lovingly and graciously waiting for you this morning to return to Him. It's only a decision away. It doesn't matter what you've believed in the past or what you've been told. You are not an accident we did not blow up from nothingness and then suddenly we appeared. There's a living, powerful, mighty creator who created you for a purpose. And that purpose is to walk in favor and walk in companionship with Him. We serve a living God whom we all walked away from. We serve a living God that we've all offended. We serve a living God that we've all sinned against. However, He came. He came and forgave us by dying on the cross for us. That's what we believe. We believe in a living God that died for every single thing that you've done wrong in your life. And if you but confess Him, if you but accept His incredible, incredible sacrifice, the Bible promises forgiveness. The Bible promises freedom. The Bible promises that seasons of refreshment will come your way. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.